You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Welcome to episode 51 of the GDPR Weekly Show. And as regular listeners of the show will know, I'd like to begin with a shout out to our new listeners. And this week we have new listeners in London, Portsmouth, Birmingham, Southampton, Cardiff, Manchester, Derby, Tombridge, Northampton, Fairham, Reading, Newcastle-upon-Tyne, Norwich, Guildford and Chichester. That's all in the UK. And in Ireland, we have new listeners from Leinster and from Meath. And then in France, new listeners from Paris and Saint-Denis. In Spain, new listeners from Barcelona, Madrid and Valladolid. In Portugal, new listeners from Lisbon. In Belgium, new listeners from Brussels and Hainaut. In the Netherlands, new listeners from Rotterdam, Amsterdam and The Hague. In Germany, new listeners from Baden, Berlin, Hamburg and Frankfurt. In Denmark, new listeners in Copenhagen, Jutland and Zealand. In Sweden, new listeners in Uppsala. In Estonia, new listeners in Hazuma. In Poland, new listeners in Malopolsky. In Czech Republic, new listeners in Prague. In Austria, new listeners in Vienna. In Switzerland, new listeners in Valais. In Italy, new listeners in Milan and Tronte. In new listeners in Croatia, in Zagreb. In Montenegro, new listeners there. And in Turkey, new listeners in Istanbul. In Israel, new listeners in Tel Aviv. In Algeria, our first listeners in Algiers, so a big welcome to you. In South Africa, new listeners in Cape Town. In India, new listeners in Delhi, Kerala and Tamil Nadu. New listeners in Colombo, in Sri Lanka. In Manila, in the Philippines. In Incheon, in South Korea. In Kanagawa, in Japan. In Perth, Melbourne and Adelaide, all in Australia. In Sao Paulo, in Brazil. In Ontario and Quebec, in Canada. And then in the USA, new listeners this week in New York, Buffalo, San Francisco, Boston, Los Angeles, Houston, Dallas, Chicago, Minneapolis, Washington DC, Jacksonville, Grand Rapids, Seattle, San Diego, Atlanta, Rochester, Dayton, Salisbury, Cincinnati and Greensboro. So a big shout out to all of you new listeners. Great to have you along. Great to have you listening to the GDPR Weekly Show. I hope you become regular listeners. And as always, a big shout out to our regular listeners right around the world, wherever you may be. I really appreciate you taking half an hour or so out of your week to catch up on the latest news in the world of GDPR. And as always, uh, if you have any comments on the show, any feedback or any ideas or suggestions for future articles that you'd like us to do, or indeed any ideas for people you'd like us to interview on the show, or even if you'd like to be interviewed on the show yourself, then please just drop us a line to podcasts at insurety.co.uk. That's E-N-S-U-R-E-T-Y.co.uk. Or check out our podcast page on our website at www.insurety. That's E-N-S-U-R-E-T-Y.co.uk. And uh, as always, I do read all of the feedback you send in. It's great to get so much feedback from you. And I'm pleased that so many of you enjoy the show. And uh, I'm sorry I don't have time to reply individually to every message that I receive, but I do reply to as many as I can. And please do let me have your comments. They are very useful. They help us shape the future shape of the GDPR Weekly Show. 
So, in a moment, I'll be telling you what's coming up in this week's edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. Check us out on Facebook. So, coming up in episode 51 of the GDPR Weekly Show, we have news of a judicial review against the UK government and, in particular, Home Office for its exemption from some parts of GDPR under the UK Data Protection Act 2018. We then have details of a data breach at uh, fashion website Poshmark. We then have details of a potentially massive data breach at Honda. We then have news of the Indian government formally seeking EU approval for GDPR adequacy status, which will make a big difference to all companies who are dealing with data either to or from India as part of their data processing. We then have details of a data breach at London-based educational software supplier Pearson. We then have news from the French ICO that they've issued a penalty for failure by a company to keep to its data retention schedule. We then have results on a survey on whether the penalties imposed on British Airways and Marriott International will actually make any real difference to the behaviour of large companies and their attitude towards GDPR. And then finally this week we have news of a bug in Buffer's login code which potentially exposes user accounts and produces a data breach. So as normal, quite a wide range of articles there in this week's edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. I hope there's something of interest to you in this week's episode. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Regular listeners to the show will know that wherever we can, we're covering the likely impact of Brexit on GDPR. And, of course, it's true that most of GDPR will be unaffected by Brexit because... The bulk of the requirements of GDPR have been absorbed into the Data Protection Act 2018, which has received royal assent and so is now law in the UK and replaces the previous Data Protection Act. However, one area which it was known was different in the Data Protection Act 2018 to the regulations set out in GDPR was in the whole issue of people's right to access of information under UK visa and immigration rules. And so this week has seen the launch of a judicial review against that decision. And the important thing here, though, is to realise that even if the judicial review application is successful and the judicial review finds in favour of the claimants and that the legislation in the view of the court is wrong, the court itself can't change the legislation. It will need to throw that back to the government and the government will need to reconsider its decision. Now, the government could then still decide to keep the legislation as it is, although of course that would leave it open to further legal challenge and it's doubtful, I think, that the government would seek to do that. But This whole issue stems because the Data Protection Act 2018 gave the Home Office, or more specifically the UK Visas and Immigration Department of the Home Office, 
an exemption from GDPR. The exemption allows the Home Office to bypass regulations that would require them to disclose the data they hold on immigrants. The decision to exempt the Home Office and GDPR drew widespread criticism from MPs at the time. As I say, it has now started judicial review into this in the High Court, and campaigners are challenging the government's decision to deny EU citizens access to records that the Home Office has on individuals in UK immigration cases. Campaigners claim that a clause in the 2018 Data Protection Act unlawfully excludes EU citizens from rights they would otherwise hold to access to private data held by third parties, in this case by the Immigration Department of the Home Office. Since the beginning of 2019, 60% of requests submitted by individuals for access to information held by the government have been denied as a result of Home Office GDPR exemptions. The denials have left migrant workers and other UK visa applicants and those acting on their behalf unable to appeal Home Office decisions. In recent months, Home Office decision-making has sparked serious concerns, with many UK immigration decisions overturned when controversial cases are reported in the mainstream media. And it, of course, has to be borne in mind that with Boris Johnson's new uh, cabinet, which is, I think it's fair to say, more right-leaning than the previous cabinet under Theresa May, then there may be further cases of this and more uh, emphasis, I think, placed on immigration. So just to put this into context, it's understood that approximately 3.6 million EU citizens are currently living in Britain who have to apply for new UK immigration status after Brexit. However, Home Office lawyers are adamant that the exemption complies with GDPR and with human rights. But campaigners argue that it's discriminatory and breaches EU law. Campaign Rosa Curling said, The discriminatory two-tier data protection regime created by our government is unlawful and we hope the court will agree it must be reconsidered on an urgent basis. She went on to say that individuals must have access to their personal data so they know what information is held about them by the Home Office and others, how this information is being processed and shared, and to allow them to correct any errors made. Without access to data, their right to rectify is meaningless. And it seems the right to rectify is one of the key aspects of GDPR under which this judicial review has been mounted. A number of campaign groups argue that blocking access to data means Home Office mistakes can be missed. Therefore, decisions on UK immigration applications could be made because the Home Office has incorrect or incomplete information, and of course that could potentially result in a wrongful deportation at the extreme. To put this into context, under the Brexit rules, EU citizens are affected by UK visas and immigration data exemptions because they're required to go through an application process to secure their UK immigration status post-Brexit, known as the EU Settlement Scheme. Now, there may be some changes to this scheme coming because, again, since becoming Prime Minister, Boris Johnson has made various uh, public declarations on the status of EU citizens. And so it may be that some of this becomes unnecessary anyway. But nonetheless, the claimants are quite rightly pursuing their judicial review to get a legal opinion on this matter. Under existing laws, applications made by EU citizens for UK settled status that are rejected cannot be checked to establish whether they were denied because of incorrect or incomplete information held by the Home Office. 
In a statement sent to the High Court, campaigners said data protection rights have proven vital to avoid miscarriages of justice in the immigration context. That importance will only increase as the UK immigration system becomes more dependent on automated analysis and profiling of data. Campaigners reiterated that the UK immigration exemption in the Data Protection Act is discriminatory and manipulates the rules of GDPR under which EU member states then deviate from the law. The only right that seems to remain for intact for EU citizens concerning immigration exemption is the right for an individual to correct an incorrect date. However, this right is pointless if a person cannot access the data held about them in the first place. Director of Open Rights Group Scotland, Matthew Rice, said the immigration exemption removes that right for millions of people for the vague purpose of effective immigration control. This restriction is available to all data controllers, it could be your school, your doctor, your local authority or your employer that exercise the exemption and restrict your access to your data while continuing to share it with the government for immigration enforcement. And that's an interesting point which I think affects everyone, not just EU residents seeking to stay here, is that this exemption within the uh, Data Protection Act 2018 for the Home Office does, I think, set a dangerous precedent. Nonetheless, we will uh, watch for the outcome of this judicial review and as soon as we have any news, we'll bring it to you in a future edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. While it's been a quieter week overall for data breaches this week, there have been a number that are worth reporting. The first is from a online marketplace for buying and selling clothes called Poshmark. The company said that user profile information including names and usernames, gender and city data had been taken by an unauthorised third party. And it said that email addresses, size preferences and scrambled passwords were also taken. It was keen to stress that it uses bcrypt hashing for its uh, password encryption, which is recognised as being one of the strongest algorithms available. The company also said that internal preferences, such as email and push notifications, were taken. Financial data and physical address information of the people involved was not compromised, the company said. The marketplace said it had brought in outside forensics team Kroll to investigate the breach, it also said it has rolled out enhanced security measures without elaborating on what these were. Spokesperson Sarah Michael said that the relevant law enforcement bodies have been contacted, but not state regulators because the nature of the information was not financial. Poshmark is said to have some 50 million users, although it's not yet clear what percentage of those users have actually been exposed in this data breach. If we get more news on this data breach at Poshmark in the coming days or weeks, then we will, of course, bring it to you in a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Honda, the motor manufacturer, has suffered a potentially massive data breach. It's believed as much as 40 gigabytes of data may have been accidentally exposed and the data contains some of their corporate secrets and a great deal of private employee information and of course at the present time Honda do employ a number of people in the UK 
uh, and it's not yet known whether those people are included within this data that has been hacked or rather not hacked accidentally released ironically the news of the accident occurred on the eve of releasing their financial earnings for the past quarter uh, Honda created a situation described by one researcher as a hacker's dream. Approximately 134 million records have, have been uh, left open in an unsecured Elasticsearch database. This meant that anyone who knew where to look could have come across the company's most sensitive data, not only including information about the company's security systems and networks, but also technical data on all of its IP addresses, operating systems, what patches have been installed, etc. In effect, it would give anyone with this information, or even the lowest skill, the map and details needed to potentially engage in a massive cyber attack against Honda, including personal attacks against its employees. It isn't known at the present time whether the information that was accidentally exposed has been accessed by any unauthorised individuals or groups, but the nature of the breach leaves it possible for a devastating attack to take place further down the line. Honda hasn't said what error led to the breach, but one theory is that there may have been an error in the setting of a privacy flag on the data concerned. Honda have not responded to a request for comment as we go to press with this episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. But if we do hear back from Honda uh, in the coming weeks, then we will, of course, bring you an update to this in a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. India is to seek the EU's approval on GDPR compliance for adequacy status. Uh, This is no real surprise. We knew this was coming Uh, But the Indian government have now formally said that they are gearing up to seek adequacy status with the European Union for GDPR. If it goes through, it will mean that the EU recognises that India's data protection law is equivalent to those required by GDPR. This in turn would allow tech firms based in the EU to store and transfer data in India and would enable companies in Europe to outsource data-intensive projects to India while still complying with GDPR. At the moment, it is still possible to have your data processed in India, but it does require the adoption of certain standard contract paragraphs within a data processing agreement between a data controller in the UK or the EU and the data processor, the company performing the processing in India. But it is still open to legal challenge, which if this adequacy um, application is successful, will remove that opportunity for challenge. The GDPR rules hold that controllers, people and organisations in charge of other people's data, are responsible for properly handling and protecting the information they've collected. This means that the controllers will need to have compliant infrastructure and safeguards to manage this data, ensuring that data is anonymised where necessary. It's still going to be some time, however, before any real change comes about as a result of this application, because India still needs to pass its own personal data protection bill 
into law. A draft was submitted to the IT Ministry in India last July, but it's yet to be approved by the Parliament in India. Likewise, the EU will have to see a proposal from the European Commission, receive an opinion of the European Data Protection Board, get an approval from representatives of EU countries, and finally see the adoption of the decision by the European Commission. So, as you can imagine, that means it's not going to happen overnight. Now, just to put this into context, the EU has currently granted GDPR adequacy status to 13 countries, those countries being Andorra, Argentina, Canada, the Faroe Islands, Guernsey, Israel, the Isle of Man, Japan, Jersey, New Zealand, Switzerland and Uruguay, with of course the EU-US Data Privacy Shield for data transfers between the EU and the USA. And in addition to this work for India, the EU is also currently working on adequacy status application from South Korea. Now, from India's perspective, it's worth realising that receiving adequacy status would boost India's already massive IT services industry. But the stringent requirements could also be good news for Indian citizens, as it would provide strong protections for the privacy of their data, as well as the data that's being processed for external companies, for example, those in the UK or the EU. So, this has no doubt still got some way to run, but at least now the official wheels have started to turn on India being recognised as being adequate under GDPR uh, regulations. And so we will keep you updated regularly on the progress of this application as it makes its way through the European Commission. And we'll bring that to you in future episodes of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. London-based educational software producer Pearson reported on Wednesday that they were aware of a data breach involving about 13,000 school and university AIMSWED 1.0 accounts. Pearson said that the exposed data includes first and last names, dates of birth and email addresses. Pearson have not given any further details about what caused the incident, but it did say that since the incident they have put stricter data protection uh, processes in place and they are also arranging for free credit checking um, subscriptions for any persons affected by the data breach. It's very early in this data breach to give any more information than that uh, but if we become aware of more information next week we will bring it to you in next week's edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. Check us out on Facebook. The French Information Commissioner, uh, CNIL, C-N-I-L, have built themselves something of a reputation for being firm on GDPR and for issuing substantial penalties for breaches of GDPR. And this week they've announced that they've issued a €400,000 fine against the company for GDPR violations stemming from sensitive information collected on its website. Investigating a complaint, 
Senior discovered that the online real estate company, Sergic, allowed customer information to be freely accessed online and that it also kept that customer information for longer than required. During its investigation, Senior discovered that by editing the text of a URL, a Sergic user could retrieve sensitive files that another home rental applicant had uploaded into the website. This security defect led to the release of nearly 300,000 tax and identity documents which became accessible to anyone who realised that it was possible to change the URL. Senior said that this was a flaw in the design of the website and the flaw was sufficiently strong that it affected the confidentiality of data in violation of Article 32.1, Paragraph 2 of the GDPR. Senior also penalised the company for keeping users' information for longer than was necessary for the purpose of processing the user's property rental application. The company did not disclose that it would keep or use information for any other purpose and did not properly archive the data after the purpose was finished. The fine assessed by CNIL came to nearly 1% of Sergit's revenue. So once again a firm penalty from the French ICO and interestingly this time not for a data breach per se although there was a data breach by way of changing the URL but also significantly for the retention of data for longer than necessary and this is now the second fine which we've seen for data retention so it is really important that a you have a data retention policy as part of your GDPR documentation and b and we've emphasized this to all of our own clients numerous times in the past it's one thing on a policy it's another putting into practice and you really must make sure that if your uh, data retention policy says that you only retain data for let's say three years that you actually have a procedure in place to make sure that someone regularly goes through and deletes any data from your systems which is more than three years old unless there has been a subsequent change in reason for needing to keep that information any longer and if you need any help with data retention and data retention policies we would of course be delighted to help you please just drop us a line to podcast at insurety.co.uk e-n-s-u-r-e-t-y.co.uk and we will come back to you and work with you to get your document retention policies in line with GDPR. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. A survey carried out by Tripwire this week found that amongst the security professional community, Opinions were divided over whether the first fines issued by the ICO under GDPR, or one of the first major fines, those against British Airways and Marriott International, were appropriate. The survey found that while 43% said the GDPR fines for British Airways and Marriott were appropriate, 42% thought the fines should have been higher, while only 12% thought the penalties were too high. Just to remind you, in July 
the ICO announced its intention to fine British Airways £183 million and Marriott International around £99 million for their data breaches which had occurred since GDPR came into force in May 2018. Both companies have indicated they intend to make representations to the ICO about the findings of their investigation and more specifically about the proposed fines. While the penalties are significantly greater than any previous fines imposed by the ICO, but of course you have to bear in mind that under the previous Data Protection Act, the maximum penalty the ICO could imply was half a million pounds. The survey revealed that security professionals did not believe the fines would necessarily drive any change in company policies and practices, especially in the light of the fact that both fines represent only around 1.5% of the annual turnover for either British Airways or Marriott International. So when they were asked, did they think these fines would encourage companies like British Airways and Marriott to change their policies and practices? 25% of those asked said they felt the fines were likely to lead to a change in policies and practices. 22% said there would be no change. 52% said there would be some change, but not enough. Only 29% said the fines had made them more confident about their own personal data privacy. However, the most positive indication to be taken from the survey was that 60% said they believed the fines would cause their own organisation to take GDPR more seriously. Al Todd, a partner at law firm Reed Smith, said, The largest tech companies can't escape it, GDPR, and have been reacting by ensuring that privacy heads the agenda in CEO speeches and conferences. However, too few other companies have recognised the opportunity that GDPR represents to engage with their users about how their data is used and to do so in a way that is compelling and different. And I think I would echo that. I think that companies as a whole have not yet realised the maximum potential for using GDPR as a business advantage and not a business penalty. And it's something which we emphasise strongly in our GDPR training on how best to make use of GDPR in that way so that GDPR becomes a positive and not a negative. And if you'd like more information on our training, then please do visit our website at www.insurity.co.uk. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. A bug in the login system used by social media software Buffer has potentially exposed user account. Social media management software company Buffer says it's investigating a bug in its login system that allowed a small number of users to access accounts that did not belong to them. Buffer's login system used access tokens to provide private and safe access to the platform. However, the bug caused some accounts to be issued with the same access token, which would direct one of the two users affected to the wrong account when logged in. According to an email which appears to have been sent out by Buffer yesterday, the issue affected just 467 of the platform's 7.8 million users, all of which have been reached out to separately to inform them of the issue. The email insists that no personal information such as passwords or credit card details were compromised as a result of the bug. However, 
it is possible to view the account owner's email address, connected social media profiles and the IP addresses previously used by that user to access the account through the settings pages once the person was logged in. The issue, which was seemingly discovered by a buffer user, was identified on Friday and has been resolved over the weekend. A more secure system has been put in place to grant access tokens and all accounts have been upgraded to this new system as a precaution. Buffer were unsure when we contacted them over whether this bug had actually caused a breach under GDPR. Our view is that it has because according to the rules which we understand from the ICO, a data breach doesn't have to involve malicious actors forcefully gaining unauthorised access to personal data. A data breach means, and we quote from regulations, a breach of security leading to the accidental or unlawful destruction, loss, alteration, unauthorised disclosure of or access to personal data. There will be a personal data breach whenever any personal data is lost, destroyed, corrupted or disclosed. If someone accesses the data or passes on without proper authorization, or if the data is made unavailable, for example when it has been encrypted by ransomware or accidentally lost or deleted. Now to us, as far as we can see, the buffer login system bug most definitely does fall within that definition. And therefore we believe that it is a GDPR data breach. Now whether it's sufficiently strong that buffer should report it to the ICO is a matter of opinion. Given the relatively low number of accounts affected, my personal view would be that it would be sufficient just to make sure that it had been recorded within Buffer's GDPR data breach register, but of course that's a decision for Buffer, or more specifically Buffer's DPO, to make. Remember that under GDPR, organisations have 72 hours after the discovery of a data breach to contact the ICO if they believe that a personal data breach has occurred. The organisation must also alert the individuals impacted without undue delay and I think to be fair to Buffer they obviously have done that part and it's obviously their decision as I say whether they contact the ICO or not. A Buffer spokesperson confirmed that a bug was identified in its logging system and that it was working to notify all appropriate regulatory authorities where required. The spokesman said, I can confirm that we identified a bug with our login system that made it possible in very rare cases for two accounts to share one access token. We have determined that fewer than 0.01% of, of our users have been affected by this bug. We immediately took steps to revoke those tokens, issue new more secure tokens and provide notice to the affected users. We have fully resolved this bug. We also provide information to users that were not affected and we have notified or are working to notify the appropriate regulatory officials where required. So it would appear that since our initial contact with Buffer, that they have now decided to report this to the ICO. Obviously, if there is any update on this, then we will bring it to you in a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. But we would suspect that in this instance, given the relatively minor nature of the, nature of the breach, and that Buffer have taken steps to improve the security of their tokens that any further action is probably unnecessary. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. So that brings us to the end of this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. 
I hope you found it useful. I hope you found it entertaining. Please do let me know. Let me have your feedback by sending an email to podcast.insurity.co.uk. You can find out more about us and Insurity at www.insurity.co.uk. And I look forward to speaking to you again, same time, same place, next week. Have a good week, everybody, and remember, keep your data safe. Check us out on Facebook. The GDPR Weekly Show is an Insurity production. Follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash insurity.